0: Hey everyone and welcome back to another video from Amman Talks NRL Supercoach. In today's video, we're going to be breaking down the second row forward position, a hot topic for the preseason given that there's so many good options to consider. So hopefully you guys enjoy the breakdown and the video. If you do, please give it a like. Please just consider subscribing as well. We are almost there at the 2,000 subscriber mark, so I really, really appreciate the support. The goal is to get there by uh, round one, so hopefully you guys can get me over the line there. But enough of that, let's get straight into the video. So as always, taking a look at the second-row forward position and how it looks in terms of rankings against other positions in terms of averages. So fair to say that Isaiah Papali'i has been the standout kind of second-row forward over the past two seasons. You know, very, very consistent. 79 average in 2022, 79 again in 2021. And he was the second-highest point scorer in all of 2022 as well, only just behind Nico Hines. So, you know, him moving to the West Tigers, we know how much of a beast he was at Parramatta. He's actually not in that many teams that I've seen either. So it could be a very interesting kind of pod prospect to start the season but he does lose his front row forward status so he is now just a pure second row forward in the game which probably does kind of reduce his peel just a little bit other notable standouts here are Cam Murray, who's been a really, really good super coach option in the past, but really stepped it up in 2022 with an average of 71. Um, and Sean Lane, my boy Sean Lane, only for the second half of last season, was an absolute beast averaging 69 and really had a breakout 2022 campaign. And looking back at 2021, there's a few fallen guns that we may obviously need to look at for 2023. So Angus Crichton is one that comes to mind. You know, in 2021 and 2020, he had an average of 75 and 76, really had a bit of a down year in 2022. So you someone that you could maybe pick up a little bit cheaper with an expectation that if he gets back to those gun levels he could be someone who's seriously undervalued and a major gun and so obviously you're starting to see that the second or forward position whilst it's important start is starting to kind of reduce in terms of the amount of upside players that you've got when you look at in comparison some of those attacking minded players such as your fullbacks your center wings um your halfbacks etc but still is an important position to consider you know noting that you know as a was the second highest point scorer i'm looking at the list here as well kaloma Tungi was actually the 8th highest point scorer, Angus Crichton was in the ninth. 9th, Sean Lane was in the 16th and Tino Fasumala Awi was in 20th. So you did have you know quite a few 2nd row forward players. Probably what that does show me is that if you can kind of manage your buys very well with your 2nd row forward guns you can really just get really solid stable output from your 2nd row forward and can be a very good contributor in total points because whilst they don't have quite the highest upside of some of the other players and positions you know a very good long-term point scorer in the game. So I do think the 2nd row forward is a very important position to consider so Let's get straight into the players. So taking a look at some of the top tier secondary forward guns to consider, coming out at number one is Isaiah Popoli with a very, very high price tag of 831 k um, But that's justified with an average of 79 from 2022 very very consistent if you look at that uh second column from the end there over 60 percent games 83 percent of the time he was hitting over 60 and with regularity he was definitely hitting those 70 75s and very often also getting into the hundreds question that I do have with iPad though is one you're spending over eight hundred thousand dollars and that's putting him in the same bucket as someone like you know Harry Grant Nathan Cleary um, Nico Hines you know James Tedesco, Latrell Mitchell when you're starting to look at those kind of price tag players and caliber of players, you are looking at captaincy, I guess, to an extent. With Ipap, you're probably never going to be captaining him. I think whilst he's super consistent and he does have that ceiling, it's probably not with enough kind of predictability that you would safely captain someone like Ipap. And I think the other question is, is that there's no denying, I think, that he's going to be a really good asset for the West Tigers. And to be honest, in terms of his super coach output, I don't really see it getting any lower than, say, the low 70s, to be honest, because if you look at that bar chart below me, his average base outs of 52 a game is immense. Only Isaiah is beating him in that category. His evasive numbers, so his tackle breaking ability, is top notch. Only Dave Feeder beats him in that category. Um, and then the evasive numbers, uh, sorry, the creative numbers and the scoring numbers are pretty similar to a lot of these other options here. So I think it's that attacking stats kind of tries is where he may potentially regress than what he was having in Parramatta, because we just expect that the West Tigers are going to score less points, I think, than the Parramatta Eels. The first three rounds, don't get me wrong, are very, very good for the Tigers. You know, the the Titans, the Knights, the Bulldogs, very, very strong opening three games. So I think if you are looking to take a punt on Aze Papali'i, you're not taking a punt on a bad player, and he's only 5.4% owned uh thankfully the game is now open so i can start adding adding these ownership numbers as well so he is definitely a pod but for me personally it's just the price tag and when i'm trying to build my round one team i'm just prioritizing that money for other positions like you know in my fullbacks, uh, my halfbacks harry grant maybe some maybe some more money in my five eights i'm just not quite seeing it at second row forward and i think there are some good mid-range value options that we'll get to later on in the video and we'll also get to some of your questions as well because there were a few questions about actual more broader strategy about building your second row forward do you go really expensive or do you maybe cheapen up with a few mid-ranger kind of value options And so for me, IPAP's price tag is justified, but I think it's just going to be too expensive for me to stomach in round one. But no denying, I think we're all going to try to get him in our teams at some point during the year. The fact that he's lost his front row forward eligibility is a bit of a blow as well. That's what made him such a great supercoach asset the last two seasons. In second row forward, he's still going to be really, really good. I just think for that price tag, you're not probably going to get good value out of that in the beginning of the season, where I think you're looking to spread your money into other spots. Uh, Cam Murray at 749 I do think is going to be a pretty solid option to begin the season. The Rabbitohs draw is tough. You know, the Sharks, Penrith, Roosters, Manly, and Melbourne in the first five weeks. But I think where there is room to grow with Murray is that if you look at that table, his average minutes in 2022 was 65. But I do think that is going to be unders on what he's actually going to do. Round 1 last year, he was having a bit of, an, bit of a doubt in the preseason, so he only played 58 minutes in round 1. But looking at some of the games that he played after that, we're looking at 72 minutes, 77, 77, 65, 67, 80, 71, 76, and that's kind of up until he had another, um, another small injury, I think, that kept him out for another few weeks. But after And then during that origin period, he was averaging like 46, 53 minutes. But, you know, in the run home, 80 minutes, 86 minutes when they had an extended game, 66, 73. I think you get the story. I think with Cam Murray, beginning of the season, I think is a great time to target him because there's no issues around state of origin. And I do think his minutes are going to be pretty good. And he's just one of those players who's got a really good work rate really really important for the Rabbitos and their attack as well so the the potential for attacking stats is there he's definitely got a ceiling he had a score last season of 129 and a score of 130 that score of 130 he didn't even score a try that was all purely just from setting up his teammates so he's definitely got that upside where you know he can score his points in a variety of ways you know really good base stats good um, evasive numbers, good creative numbers as well. It's only better actually by Sean Lane. And very, very consistent. Over 70% of his games scoring over 60. And I think we all know how good of a gun Cam Murray is. I guess the question is, do you spend that much in your second row forward? I think if you're willing to spend in the 700k range for top-notch second row forward, Cam Murray is probably who I would go to. I, To be honest, have him ranked third in terms of who I'd be prioritizing for round one though. And we'll get onto those other two players in a little bit. I just think for me, with that draw, that potential for attacking stats is a little bit lower, and I just think also the price is obviously quite high, but I do think you're going to get value in the sense of, you know, you're, you're going to get what you're, you're paying for. I think he's going to get you around that 70 point mark, but for me personally, I'm looking to spend just a little bit less in the second row forward, and I think look at a couple of, of these other cheaper guns. Now, Sean Lane, what more can I say about this guy? He was so good for me at the back end of last season. Um, you know, average minutes of 77. I do expect that to be about the same as well for 2023. Uh, I've, I see him firmly locked into an 80 minute edge roll on the left edge for the Parramatta Yields. You know, from the buy period onwards, he was an absolute beast. He had an average of 76 from that period after round 13 all the way through to the end of the season. And I think the most impressive thing about that was that was scoring any single try. It was really the kind of setting up his teammates where he got a lot of his points. You know, him and Dilbags had a great relationship that really blossomed in the second half of last season. So, you know, if you look at those creative numbers, it's better than any other second or forward in this particular list. And that's really because of that ability for him to kind of offload um, close to the line and set up teammates, you know, who would then score over for a try. So he'd get kind of those, those offloads, those line break assists. Pretty solid base as well, 46 average. And so I do think that there is potential upside with Lane, you know, with an average of 68. He could be, again, getting around that kind of low 70s average. My particular strategy, though, I think with Lane is that, you know, Parramatta's draw is going to be quite tough for the first five weeks of the season. You know, Melbourne Sharks, Manly, Penrith, and the Roosters. So what I'm thinking is there that the attacking stats are probably going to be not quite as, you know, as much, I guess, as when he's playing easier opposition. So I'm personally looking at targeting him in round six. And I think another good thing to note with the Eels is that they're really good for buy coverage during the middle of the season. They don't, uh, sorry, they do play in every single major buy week. So they play in round 13, round 16 and round 19. So I think round six, when the Parramatta yields draw opens up, that's definitely a time when I'm looking to target someone like Sean Lane, because at that point, I know that I can plug him in, he's got easy games, and he should be generally, for longer term, be good for buy coverage as well. And hopefully by that time, his price has come down to maybe the, the low to mid 600s, and then I think you are looking at someone who potentially could go on a run and average similar to that you know, streak that he had at the back end of last season averaging around the 75, but you're getting him at a really nice cheap price in the low 600s. That's my particular strategy with Sean Lane. I mean, if you're going with him from round one, he's going to be a solid option for you, probably getting around the mid-60s in any case, because he's got really good base numbers, and he'll be a pod for you, only 2.4% owned, but that's my particular strategy with Sean Lane. Don't think I'll be starting with him in round one, but really do like him as a pickup in a few weeks from now. To be honest, Hudson Young and Keon Kalomatungi, I kind of view them in the same type of uh, second or forward, and to be honest, they're not really my type of second row forward that I normally go for in Supercoach. Hudson Young was pretty locked in for an 80-minute roll at the Raiders, but I really do think his numbers from last season were inflated by the amount of tries that he scored. He scored, I think, 13 tries in 2022, and that's actually reflected in the in the numbers below me. His scoring average of 10 per game was higher than any of these other second row forwards by quite a distance, actually. you know, the next best is 7, which was uh, Dave Fafita um, and iPad. So, If you take away even say half of those tries, you're starting to see you know, pretty big drop off, I think, in those attacking stats. You know, that 10 becomes 5 and then all of a sudden that average of um, 67 becomes 62. And I do think that's probably whereabouts I see Hudson Young because his base stats aren't quite as good as some of these other guys. Um, and so for me personally, Hudson Young I don't think I'll be starting with just because of that reliance on scoring all of those tries. I did crunch the numbers. If you took out those games where he scored the tries, his average was about 47. I know that's not really the most accurate way of doing it because I do think that he is an attack piece of the raiders attack so i do think that the tries will be there but whether or not he'll score 13 tries again and get up to 67 i personally would rather just kind of wait it out you know pretty expensive at 700k i'd rather just kind of take the price saving and go to someone like angus So that's why personally i wouldn't advise going with hudson young but obviously if you're like a massive raiders fan or if you want to go for a pod by all means be my guest, but I think that reliance on the attacking stats and the tries is why I'm looking to avoid for the beginning of the season. The Camber Raiders also, they have some good games against the Dolphins and Newcastle, but very tough games as well against the Cowboys, Sharks and Penrith. So maybe beginning of the season, I would guess that maybe the attacking stats are limited, and so maybe his output reduces and maybe he comes in a little bit cheaper um, in the future. Kalamatungi actually had pretty good base stats, average of 47 last season. Um, really solid option as well. He's going to play through the state of origin period most likely for you. But I think, again, with that really tough draw to begin the season. I don't see him having great upside. I kind of see him being around that kind of low 60s average, similar to Hudson Young. And again, when you're paying 700 uh, 701,000 for an average of 66, I do think you're not. I don't think you're getting great value there. And so that's personally why I wouldn't look at Kalomitangi. But maybe someone kind of once once the uh, draw uh, does open up, I think it's Crichton. Um, I mentioned earlier in the piece that I was looking at potentially uh, the top three guns in this list. Camari was third for me. Angus Crichton is second, so no surprises. Who you all think I'm going to say is number one, but I really like Angus. I think to begin uh, the season, 697k. You're getting him at an average of 66, but we know that this is a guy from the you know from the previous section of the video, someone who's in historically averaged 75 and 76. And he had a bit of an up and down start to last season. If you all remember, he was on the bench. He wasn't getting the full kind of 80 minutes that we normally expect from Angus. So, you know, his average minutes of 75 really didn't happen until kind of midway through from last season. And if you remember, the Roosters finished really, really strong at the back end of last season. And Angus really benefited from that. From round 19, where he hadn't scored any tries until that point, he ended up scoring, I think, five tries. And so he had a really, really big... Um, average for those last few weeks of the season Now i specifically also remember him leaving points on the table there were so many times i felt like he was dodging points at the back end of last season so i think that back end average could have been even better so he may have done us a favor for 2023 by coming in even cheaper so really really do like angus i think to begin your round one team the only downside with him is that he's got to buy fairly early on in the season he's got one in round four but you are getting the Dolphins and the Warriors in rounds one and two. So those are games where Angus could easily go 8,500 plus, in my opinion. You know, Angus's stats are pretty good in terms of base of 47 average. The evasive numbers are pretty good as well at 14. Historically, I think his base has been up around the 50 mark as well. And I, But for me, it's personally just that I do think that the attacking stats potential is greater with him, say, than Hudson Young. And so with those really good two first rounds of the season, if you can go for a kind of a 700k roughly priced gun, really like going with Angus, like I much prefer him to someone like Colombo Tungi, Hudson Young, and even Sean Lane to an extent. But again, would just be wary that if you're building a team, you're probably going to have someone like Brandon Smith, likely going to have someone like Tedesco. You start adding you start adding in someone like Angus and maybe another Rooster. All of a sudden, you may be leaving yourself a little bit short for round four. So that's the only thing I'd keep in mind. Otherwise, I have no qualms starting with Angus Cry on your team, and I really do recommend him put Ryan Madison here and his numbers, but he's suspended for the first three weeks, so there's no real reason for us to consider him for round one. Only thing I will mention is that I think the numbers are a fair reflection of what you're probably gonna get out of Madison. You know, he averaged 56 minutes last season, and I wouldn't be surprised if he continues to come off the bench even when he returns from suspension, because I think he had a really good role for the Eels when he was coming off the bench as an impact player. His PPM was insane. He was tackle-breaking, offloading, and I think, you know, the Eels probably like him having that role and impact off the bench. The Madison is someone for us to consider when he comes back, but obviously no need for for us to start with him in round one. Um, Isaiah Yo is going to be your kind of meat and potatoes guy. You know, you know he's got the best uh, base stats average of any of these other second row forwards. And so you kind of know what you're going to get from him. You know, that average of 66, I'd say that's pretty fair. You're probably going to get around the mid 60s average with Isaiah Yeo. Again, downside with him, he's got a pretty early draw in round three. I expect a lot of people to have, um, you know, Nathan Cleary. People may also have Brian Toto. Luke Garner is quite popular. All of a sudden, if you start adding four or five Penrith players, you are leaving yourself a bit short in round three. So, that's again why that's another downside to why I'm probably not going to start with Azeayo. The way I see potential upside with him this season is now that Coruscant has moved to the Tigers, Azeayo may need to take on more of the kind of attacking responsibilities. And so, maybe his attacking South to do increase. But for now, I think, you know, he's not going to be someone who's going to hurt you if you don't go with him. And I think that early draw is, sorry, that early draw, that early buy is enough of a reason for me to not start with him. And so my number one recommended second ref forward gun for you to go for is Dave Fafida. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking, Amman is crazy. This guy was an absolute flop in 2022. Why would I want to consider him? The Titans didn't know how to use him. Holbrook had no clue. Well, my counters would be, he averaged 65, somehow not looking good at all in 2022. The base stats average were the worst of any of these second row forwards, but his evasive numbers were the best of any of these other second row forwards. He is going to be your rocks and diamonds, absolute thrills player. And for me, I want to have a bit of fun with this game. If fun means occasionally copying a 55-60 from him, but knowing I've got the potential of 100, I'll take it. But but look, in all seriousness with Fafita, I do like the first two weeks of the season. You know, the Tigers and the Dragons are good games. Round five, obviously the buyer is not great, but then you've got the Dragons again in round six. So I think all in all, you know, Melbourne and Cowboys obviously tough games, but all in all, I think the first few opening rounds are pretty good for Fafita. And I think having Tanner Boyd, you know, the rumors are that Tanner Boyd is going to play at halfback for the Titans. You know Him and Fafida have had a relationship uh, for a few years, I think, for playing in high school, but also in the junior reps. So I would hope that Tanner Boyd knows how to get the best out of Fafita. And so that's the kind of narrative that I'm running with to begin round one. Um, I expect, obviously, those average minutes to increase hopefully to 75 or just gets locked into 80 minutes. And just knowing that Fafida averaged 65 in a year where he really didn't look any good... That's the kind of supercoach player I want to take a chance on at the beginning of the season because if it seems to click, we saw in twenty twenty one I think it was he had an average of eighty five. He can easily get used to the seventy to seventy five in any given week. I'd maybe just recommend to avoid watching Titans games. Just look at the score at the end of the game just to save yourself the roller coaster. Maybe that's the best way of earning for Fido. But he's my number one recommended option purely because of that insane upside that he's got and he's coming in cheaper than all of these other guys. Angus Crane is a very very close second for me. And then Camari comes in at number three out of this particular list. But let me know in the comments below who you're thinking for your top-notch gun second affords forwards. Now, this list here, I've called it the guns too because quite a few of these guys average over 60. So it didn't feel fair to call them kind of mid-range options. But in all honesty, I'm not really looking at considering any of these guys on this list here. And that's either because I either think that they're players who had a really good career kind of year in 2022. And I think that there's some scope for a regression or they either have moved teams or they've got like an early buy, which means I'm kind of a little bit more wary of them to start the season, but someone that maybe you could look to um, in the future. That's my general thoughts on this playlist, but we will go through them one by one as well. Bo Fermor, you look, he's only $1,000 cheaper than Day for Feeder. He was one of those players who I think had a really good 2022. He scored a lot of tries. You can see his scoring average of eight is quite high in comparison to a lot of these other second row forwards. The base stats average is pretty good, actually, at 46 but he just doesn't have that upside of something like up. So from the same team, I'd much rather just go with Dave compared to, say, Bo Furmore. And he also has lost his second or forward center wing status, which was another good thing he had to his Bo in 2022. But he doesn't have that now uh, for this season. So personally, I do think that there is going to be some regression with Bo Furmore. Kikau is a tough one, 686k, average of 65 last season. Obviously we know that Kikau, the work rate is not really his game. You know, you look at those base stats, average of 34 from 2022. We all kind of expect that and we kind of know that from Kikau. Where he gets his points is really the attacking stats. You know, you look at those evasive numbers at 16, really strong. Good creative numbers as well because, you know, when you're playing in a red-hot Panthers team, you can kind of pass the ball to Isaac Dungo or you have Jerome Luai outside of you. That ability to just get those additional kind of line-break assists is there. Um, And obviously, he's got the scoring stats are pretty solid as well at seven. Now, moving to the Bulldogs, we do expect the Bulldogs to be an improving team, but I think it's fair to say that they're probably not going to score as many points as what the Panthers will. Matt Burton is playing outside of him or inside of him. I can't remember. (laughs) Um, And they obviously have previously played together at Penrith. So there may be a good existing relationship there. But I think, again, a bit of an unknown quantity. I'm happy to go with Matt Burton potentially in my round one team. But with Kikau at 686K, I do think that there are enough good alternatives. You know, is only 3,000 more expensive, Angus is only 10,000 more expensive. Um, I'd much rather kind of go with those much more proven guns than someone like Kikow, who st- still does have a bit of a question mark, I think, over him coming into this season. Oluquatu has got the buy in round two, which kind of already immediately detracts me from him. Um, he had a really good 2022 season. Again, there potentially could be some regression there, or he could continue to to match his output from last season. But I think when you've got that early draw in round two, uh, sorry, not early draw, the early buy in round two, it kind of does put me off a little bit. I mean, I loved owning Oluquatu last season. He had that streak where he was... um really getting a lot of attacking stats. I also just do think it comes down to Turbo's availability, because I think we saw at the back end of last season, once Turbo was ruled out, you know, Cherry Evans kind of stepped up as the lead playmaker for the team, and Oluquatu playing outside of Cherry Evans, he really did benefit from that. There could be a potential risk. I think I think someone did do some numbers last season. I may need to pull them up, and I'll post them on YouTube or Twitter when I find them again. But someone looked into Oluquatu's numbers with and without Turbo, and generally they were much better without Turbo, because... Cherry Evans had more of the ball, and that meant that he was hitting Olaquatu more. When Turbo was kind of more in the team, the the points get shared a little bit more. They go to the left side as well, more often as well. So Olaquatu does seem to kind of have a bit of a negative impact when Turbo is playing. So obviously, that's a wait and see depending on Turbo's fitness. Uh, But for me personally, I think that early buy does put me off. Uh, But someone I'm definitely going to be waiting and watching on um, is Olaquatu. Jeremiah Nanai probably is going to be the best option, I think, from this particular list of players that I've got here. One is because the Cowboys opening draw is insane. Not even just for the first six weeks, but for the first eight weeks, Cowboys draw is the best of any team in the NRL, in my opinion. Um, 660k is a pretty expensive price obviously but you're you're getting him at an average of 63 the reason i'm not super keen on Nani is one that over 60 percentage score of 43 is quite low That essentially just shows the rocks and diamonds nature of him and if you take a look at his scoring average of 14 of last season you know that's almost double of any of these other players around him as well so he really is reliant on the tries the catch 22 though is that This draw is so good. This is the time when you'd expect the Cowboys to put on the points and Nanai to benefit. I personally don't think I've got the cojones to go with Nanai. I'm already taking a risk with potentially with Fafita. Um, So with Nanai, I think he's kind of like Fafita light, if that makes sense. Like he's going to be your rocks and diamonds player, but you're getting him at about 30k cheaper. For me, the reason I still would rather just go up to someone like Fafita is that Fafita's tackle breaking ability is second to none. And so I think that just means that Fafida's floor is going to be just a little bit higher than someone like Nanai. Now, if I see Nanai and someone's team, I'm not going to hate it because that draw really is good. Um, and look, if, they, if it comes to a point where I really just need $30,000, $40,000 and I need to save some cash, um, I might go to Nanai. But I don't see myself personally doing that because I think there are some other good, cheaper mid-range value options in the next few sections as well, um, who I do prefer. But I think if you are looking to go for a pod, you know, 9.9% isn't strictly Superpod, but it's low owned enough. I think you can make some serious gains by owning Nanai, and he'd be my preferred option of this list, but I personally don't think I'm going there just because of that rocks and diamonds nature of him. Pat Carrigan, McKinnis and Tamalolo, I kind of view all three of them in the same bracket. You know, They're all kind of priced that I expect them to deliver for this season. Carrigan may have two to three points of additional upside on his average, maybe about 65. But again, he doesn't quite have that ceiling, I think, of other guys, and you're still paying pretty good money for him. So I may as well just try to find the 30-40k and go to like an Angus or a Fafida Or I'd come down instead to someone like maybe a Nat Butcher, maybe an Adam Elliott, who we'll get to in the next section. McInnes has got an average of 58 from last season. I do expect his true average for this season to be similar to Carrigan, around the 61 to 62. So there is some value there. But again, McInnes doesn't really possess the attacking upside. He's all base, you can see there, him and Kerrigan, um, 53 base and 49 respectively. So they really are kind of just reliant on the, the base stats, but not much upside. And Tamalolo, we've kind of had a bit of a downside trajectory from him um, in Supercoach over the past few seasons. His minutes are clearly getting managed a bit more, you know, average of 55 minutes in 2022. So Tamalolo, he's also lost that front row forward status he had in 2022. So I don't think he's going to be in very many people's teams, only 5% owned at the time of recording. And so personally, I'm also not looking at Tamalolo. John Bateman is an interesting one though, 622k. You know the numbers that I've got there in the table are from his last season in the NRL, which was in 2020. So he was averaging 70 at that time when the Raiders were in full flight, you know making to, making it to the grand final and Bateman was a really important part of their team. Now moving to the West Tigers. The preseason talk is that he's going to be playing in the middle at Locke with Zay Papali'i and potentially Sean Bloor on the edges, and so playing in the middle, I feel like the attacking stats that, you know, if you look at that column chart below me, pretty good attacking numbers there, you know, average of seven a game in scoring, average of 10 a game in invasive, six a game in creative, that's 23 additional points of upside on his base average of 50 that he was getting the last time he was in the Raiders team. Playing at lock, I just don't think those attacking stats are going to be quite there, and so I think That average of 70, I wouldn't really expect from him. I'd probably more expect an average from him of about 60 to 65, which is still value, I think, on his price tag. But when his stats have been a little bit lower in the past few seasons as well in the Super League. And I think coming into a new team, I'm happy to wait and watch and see how it plays out in terms of minutes. Maybe the preseason trials will give us a better indication of this, but I'm not willing to straightaway commit to someone like Bateman, I think, at the beginning of the season, but definitely someone I've got my eye on as well. Now, looking at some of the mid-range slash value options in the secondary forward position. So Tyson Frizzell and Jai Arrow, I've got them as the top two in the in the list here at the moment, but realistically, not going to be players that I'm going to consider. Even though Frizzell's minutes are pretty solid, you know, expect him to play a majority 80 minutes in most games. Uh, he's just lacking that attacking upside that we saw from him a few seasons gone back when he was at the Dragons. The Knights do have a very, very good draw to start the season. But personally, I think Adam Elliott in the same team, you know, he's coming in at about 50K cheaper. I do think that he's going to offer better value if you're looking to pay for a Knights back roller. So personally, Frizzell, I'm not really too keen on. And Jai Arrow kind of is just going to be your plotter averaging around that mid-50s mark. He's lost his front row forward status. And I think when you're paying close to 600K, personally, just don't think he's also going to offer great value. Nat Butcher is an interesting prospect. 580k so his price an average of about 55 now those numbers are when he was coming off the bench a lot of the time last season so you can see his average games over 60 you know only 29% of the time obviously is quite low and average minutes of 63 but Satili Tupanua is not going to be in the Roosters team until maybe about midway through the season, uh, coming back from injury. What I like about Butcher, though, was that I looked at his 22 numbers when he was playing in games where he played over 60 minutes. So there were 16 games, so I think it's a pretty decent sample size. His base average in those games was 50, and his actual average was 70. Now, there was one game against the Tigers where he did score four tries, so you obviously have to take that into account. But again, you're looking at a player who's going to be Hopefully, playing you know maybe eighty minutes for a Gun Roosters team, again comes down to that question of are you willing to stomach that early buy in round four, and I think if you're not looking to go with Angus Crichton but you still want some some piece of the Roosters action, I think compromising with Butcher and going hundred k cheaper and going with him. not a bad option i think to begin your round one team because he's probably guaranteed for good minutes and those numbers when he did play good minute games from 2022 um, are quite promising you know even the base average of 50 he's priced at 55 so you're more or less going to get close to what you're buying him for and then it really comes down to the ability for him to get those additional attacking stats and look we definitely know that he's got that in his locker. Like In those 16 games that he played in those over 60-minute games, he scored 11 tries. Now, now, even if you take away that game where he scored four tries, he's never going to score four tries in another game again. Famous last words. That's still seven tries in 16. That's a very solid strike rate for a second row forward. And so if you look at the first six weeks of the season, plays five games, maybe he gets two tries that's probably going to be enough for him to average about 65 and offer you about 10 points of value. So really do like Nat Butcher. And I think this is where the interesting discussion point comes in with your second row forward because I feel very similarly with Adam Elliott in that he's going to be a very, very good option because he showed in the Raiders last season when he played good minutes, he was a really good option. Maybe going a little bit cheaper with your second row forward. And instead of having, say, like a Fafida or an Angus and one of these guys, maybe you have like a Butcher and a Adam Elliott. Paired with another kind of 400k second row forward that's where maybe that money saving can help you bolster up other parts of your team we'll get to that a little bit more I think at the end of the video but all in all I really do like Nat Butcher as a bit of a pod play uh, to begin the season given that he should be playing some good minutes with Tupanoia out of the team and his numbers are pretty encouraging as well. Now, Josh Curran had a bit of a down 2022, and to be honest, I'm not really looking at him again for the beginning of the season, um, just because of the uncertainty, I think, about his minutes. He had average minutes of 64. In terms of the Warriors rotation, I've reached out to my good mate, um, Anton Posa, on Twitter, the number one guy for me to go for personally for kind of Warriors tidbits. Now, I'll give you his perspective on the minutes rotation with Curran, although again, he's purely guessing, guessing, so we just need to take that into account doesn't really see Curran playing the full 80 and he sees some big minutes potentially for Murata Niokore um, and also Tohu Harris who may rotate through the edge and the middle but essentially it doesn't look like that minutes of Curran is going to step up a lot more from the 64 that he averaged last season and so I think those numbers of 54 are more or less what you're going to get so again it doesn't really offer a, a great value so I think Curran is not someone I'm looking to start with for round one. Now, Adam Elliott, we did mention him. um, Very, very popular, I think, in the Twitter community. Not quite so much on Supercoach. You know, only 7.5% owned at the time of recording. The numbers don't really do him justice. You know, 30% of the time, he scored over 60 um, average minutes of 52 for an average of 53 that doesn't really tell the full story though. So there were 10 games in 2022 where Adam Elliott played 59 or more minutes. And in those particular games, his base average was 50. So you're already looking at almost reaching his priced value, purely just in base stats. Um, and that's without including any potential upside for attacking stats, which you can get. In those games he did score two tries um, and his average in those 10 games as well uh, was 70. I've just quickly crunched the numbers there. So averaging 70 in those games where he's played more than 59 minutes, I would expect that to be the case in terms of his minutes playing for the Knights and what I do like is that Newcastle have a very good opening start to the season. So Adam Elliott and Nat Butcher really are standing out to me as good mid-range options that Could get you numbers similar to those guns that we talked about previously so that's why in the section before those guns like Fermor um, you know Jeremiah Nanai etc I wasn't too keen on them because I do think that there are good prospects in this category who come in cheaper who could offer you similar output so Adam Elliott really do like those numbers were really really encouraging Um, and Nat Butcher as well I think Adam Elliott I'd probably slightly prefer over Nat Butcher just because of the uh, slight price saving And I think he's a lot more secure for his minutes as well. You know, Nat Butcher's good while Tupinua is out. Adam Elliott, I expect there to be locked in. You know, he's one of the key signings for the Newcastle Knights and and a really good opening draw as well for the first six weeks. So he's not currently in my team, but after looking at crunching those numbers a bit more, definitely keen on Adam Elliott much more. Um, And so, yeah, I can definitely recommend Adam Elliott, I think, in your round one team. Um, And if you go to the Dual Position podcast in the SE Whisperer, he'll tell you the exact same thing too. Now, I've got Luciano Le Lua, but he's currently stood down by the NRL, so I'm not really going to discuss him too much because very unknown about his situation. I did have a couple of questions about Tevita Pangai Jr. as a potential pod option for the Bulldogs. Personally, can't go there because the average minutes were not even that bad for Pangai. You know, 61 minutes a game he had last season for the Bulldogs. They've got a new forward pack now as well. I would expect him to be playing more as a middle. You know, maybe Faitala Mariner will take one of the edge spots. Um, Max King will play in the middle as well. Um, Kika will take the other edge spot. So Pangaya's minutes may even reduce a little bit. His PPM may increase. Um, but again, I think his average may step up to the 55 mark. But it may even get to 60, you know, if we get a better understanding of his minutes. But I think... Yes, he's a pod, but I think when there's some uncertainty about his minutes, look, trials may change us completely. If we see that his minutes are actually looking good, um, because we know the upside that he has for a forward, because he loves to offload, maybe that will make me consider him. But personally, for this round one, just the uncertainties around him make me want to avoid. And Teague Wilton, I've seen in quite a few teams as well, at least on Twitter, very low owned on the Supercoach website. So his average minutes of last season was 60. And he's definitely a guy who, when he plays and gets the minutes, he has been a good Supercoach option in the past. 11 games that Teague Wilton played over 60 minutes last season, he had a base average of 44 um, and a total points average of 61. So again, it comes down to if he plays over those 60 minutes, will he actually, well, the first question I think is, will he get the game time? I think the talk out of the Sharks in the preseason is that Wade Graham is probably going to be starting off the bench, um, and also that this season is likely to be his last season in the NRL, but for me personally, I think when it's still an unknown with the Sharks and, you know, that kind of forward rotation. You know, I'd only want to get some kind of a guarantee that he's playing over the 65 minutes to be ready to start with him in round one. You know, it's not like the first two games are that easy either against the Rabbitohs and the, the Parramatta yields. So I'm happy to wait and watch. Maybe the first five weeks will give us a better indication because if that point after, the, maybe after the the first buy in round six, maybe then you can look to Tigg Walton. You know, let's say Wade Graham. Unfortunately, don't want to wish this on anyone. But look, he has picked up a lot of injuries in the past few seasons so let's say hypothetically wade graham is not in the squad teague wilton then looks like he's nailed in for 80 minutes at that point i think he's a good option at 490k you know he you're getting him at an average of about 50 46 but you're actually potentially expecting about 60 in terms of his average so you're getting about 10 points of value at that point i think is good but for me personally again Probably looking to avoid for round one just because of the unknown. And if Wade Graham is still on the bench in the 17 and takes some minutes away from Wilton, I don't love that. So that's why personally I'm not looking at Wilton um, myself in this particular list of the mid-range value options. But really like Adam Elliott and really like Nat Butcher. Now looking at some more mid-range value options. So the first two, Corey Harionaira and Raymond Vitala Mariner. Just quickly starting on Fai Mariner, he's actually got named I think one of the captains of the Bulldogs team, which probably shows you how important they value him in their squad. But he, the poor guy, has had a lot of injuries recently. Though Eneral Physio did mention that he liked what he saw at the back end of last season in terms of his performance, and so that's coming out of Eneral Physio's Patreon. So again, another plug for that. Fantastic. I believe he's also just released his injury profiles as well, but really good analysis of every player and their injury record and so when i was reading up on Faitala Mariner, he was overly positive on him and his ability to kind of return to good performance and so he likes him as a potential value purchase just because of that ability to Well, now that it looks like he's over his injuries and he definitely would be a pod you know 1.1 percent owned but for me personally i'm still looking to avoid i think just with the bulldogs i'm at this stage not 100 certain how the minutes rotation will work for them so one i'm definitely happy to to wait and watch Um, Harry O'Neill probably is going to be a bit more safer for minutes and he has got that upside as well if you look at him in terms of his scoring average a lot higher than a lot of these other players here but 480k does feel like a bit of money to pay when I'd rather potentially just go and set a little bit cheaper you know the bottom four players on this list here well not all four of them maybe three of those four I definitely prefer to the likes of um, Harry O'Neill or Fatal and Mariner I know Tarek Sims has been in a few teams you know he's 5.6% owned on Supercoach Probably is going to get one of the edge spots for the Storm, but it's not guaranteed. Even Sims didn't really have much attacking upside when he was at the Dragons. Fair enough, they may increase at the the Melbourne Storm. But Melbourne Storm backrollers typically don't do that great for Supercoach, and I don't expect that to change that much for the 2023 season. So personally, not looking too hard at Tariq Sims. Now, Luke Garner, 27% owned, is obviously extremely popular coming into the preseason. Now, I guess some of the potential cons with Luke Garner unknown in terms of his minutes is he actually going to get the start you've got Scott Sorensen there for the Panthers you know Zach Hoskins come over from the Broncos will he take the the second row forward spot that Kikow's vacated so there are a couple of cons but for me personally I'm looking at Garner and thinking am I just overthinking it by not starting with him because his numbers are actually fairly solid from last season you know 41 average from 66 minutes but I did look into his numbers as well when he was playing kind of more significant minute games So Garner played 15 80-minute games for the Tigers last season, and he had an average of 50. Now, granted, that average of 50 did include, I think, five tries. But when you think about now the team that he's moving to in the Panthers, for me, the potential of attacking stats and tries only increases. And his base average in that time as well was 36 in those 80-minute games, just for reference. So he's not going to be that guy who I think is going to realistically punch out those 40 to 50s every week with ease. But I think it's those potential for attacking stats is where ghana is really going to benefit 435k you're paying a pretty cheap price for someone who's got easy potential, I think, to average, you know, closer to say the 55 range, if you look at those attacking stats included. So, definitely getting some 10 to 15 points of value on Ghana. Yes, the early buy in round three is a bit of a con, but I think if you see him in the trials getting named in round one for TLT um, or playing, you know, good 70 80 minutes, um, I do expect him to be the starting second or forward spot as well. Scott Sorensen has been really good for the Panthers coming off the bench with his impact, and I've, I kind of expect that role to continue. And I do kind of rank Garner, I think, higher than someone like a Zach Hosking. So my thought is that he will be the starting second row forward in Kikau's uh, vacated spot. And that left edge spot for the Panthers is just, it's such a good spot to be in for an attacking player. You know, we have got Jerome Luai there, surrounded by great options as well in um Talon May, Isaac Thongo. You know, Garner probably isn't going to be quite as good of an attacking player as um as Kikau, but he doesn't need to be, just needs to run some solo lines and Luai is probably going to put him through a hole. So Garner, I think, in that Panthers team, really do like him. Probably going to start with him in round one as well. Now, Kelma Tualangi, look, he may benefit from playing outside of Josh Schuster, um, but I think with the buy in round two, not looking to go there anytime soon, maybe someone that we consider in the future. Now, Murata Niakorek from the Warriors, again, I had to reach out to Anton um, just to get a bit of the inside scoop on him and if he's going to be a good mid-range option. He's very, very keen on Nia So his numbers, you know, average of 39.9 last season from an average of 44 minutes. Neocore's PPM from last season was 0.92, which is, you know, pretty solid. But essentially, Anton said he expects him to play some big minutes, possibly 80 minutes, and he should be one of the starting edge back rollers. You know, the other back row would obviously be Mitchell Barnett, who I haven't actually mentioned, but I think, you know, Barnett and Niakore could be in a similar position in terms of minutes, but Neocore comes in much, much cheaper. So 419k could be a great value option. Um, obviously, he won't be playing State of Origin. He's a Kiwi. Um, not a bad opening draw for the first six weeks as well. So I think if you had any hesitation about Luke Garner and you didn't want to go there, then Nia Kori could be someone that you go for as well. And hopefully trials give us a good indication of minutes. If I see Nia Kori actually do indeed playing that kind of 70 minutes, you know, with his PPM of 0.9, you could be looking at a guy averaging, you know, 60 plus. And I think if you're getting that at 419k, it would offer amazing value. So I really do like Nia Kory as a pod at the moment at 1.2%. But I would expect that to increase a lot if we do see him playing those bigger minutes, either in the early preseason, in the trials, or even in the early stages of the actual season as well. Now, Eli Katoa from the Storm, 411k. Again, it's a similar thing where we're not too sure about if he's going to actually get the second row forward spot. My feeling is that he will get one of those second row forward spots and instead it's going to be, or it'll be him and Tarek Sims. No, could be one of those high upside players. He's had a good season, not last season, but the season before. He was in my initial preseason team, although I think, um, thinking about it more, I'd probably just take the pod in Niokore. you know, 1.2% owned, if we think that Niokore is actually going to get the minutes. Um, and maybe Katoa could be a bit of a wait and watch for me personally. Um, at the moment, I'm ranking Ghana as the first out of those three, just because I think being in that Panther system, I feel like the most secure with his minutes as well. And so I think for him, he seems the best initial value. But him and Niokore probably one and two, and I've got Katoa... Uh, in the bronze medal position I think out of those you know kind of lower half of the 400k range um, second or forward options but all of them could be good options but for me that's how I'm ranking them at this time now finally looking at the cheapies got a few questions here that I wanted to address as well that I put out on my Twitter so thank you everyone who posted your questions as well they were very helpful for the video so the first one is Jermaine Hopgood 298k look I don't really see too many issues with him. Crimson's question was: Is Hopgood a trap? Even if he starts, surely he's not playing that many minutes with Mato coming off the bench. Look, I was reading some quotes that were coming out of the Cumberland Throw on Twitter. Um, some of the reports out of the preseason. I'll. I'll Quickly post the screen grabs as well, just on the screen as well. I don't want to read it out word for word, but essentially, what it was showing was that he looks pretty integral to their attack as well at the moment as a ball playing lock. Him and Josh Hodgson have struck together a pretty good relationship as well. And I mentioned it earlier in the video as well um, Ryan Madison, I expect him to continue coming off the bench. Um, and so, Hopgood's minutes, you know, I expect him to be playing about 40 to 50 minutes, maybe even more than that, potentially. Um, you know, Nathan Brown, I think, is out of favor at the yield, and I think Hopgood. Look, he's 41% owned, and I think that's for a good reason. The first three rounds guaranteed with no Madison probably will play some good minutes. And I just see him as a really good cash cow that I don't think is a trap, because I do think that, based on the quotes that I've been seeing and how he looks to have formed a good relationship in the attack for the Eels, um, will be someone who's quite critical to their team. And so I think the minutes will be there, and I don't think that he's a trap. Tom Eisenhuth from The Storm only reason i put him here at the moment is that if he's on the bench he's probably not going to be good for a cash cow it's only if he gets maybe one of the starting secondary forward spots he's been in the storm system for a long time and i think craig bellamy does like him so if he does manage to get one of the starting secondary forward spots he's going to be a great cheapie um, and he's also dual listed i believe secondary forward and center wing so he could be someone that we get as a cheapie but definitely just remains to be seen i think until tlt round one and obviously, a lot of that does um, come into play with some of these other cheapies as well. Now, Ray Stone, 246k. Um, Wayne Bennett has come out and basically confirmed that uh, Tom Gilbert will be the starting lock for the for the Dolphins and that Ray Stone is likely to be coming off the bench. So obviously, you know, as Anton says in his question that he's in so many sides, is he still valid if he's coming off the bench? My general opinion is that I do still think that he's going to be valid because you know, if you look at the forwards that the Dolphins have, you know, Kenny Bromwich, Kafusi, Jesse Bromwich, Mark Nichols, these are not super young, fit, well, they're probably fit, but they're not like super young kind of forwards. And I think Ray Stone, obviously a bit of a con that he's coming back from an ACL, you know, and physio has mentioned that he expects him to get to full, full performance in 2024. But I think with Ray Stone, you know, the fact that the pack around him is aging, coming off the bench, I still think that those average minutes will step up to about 35 to 40, potentially. And I think when you've got a guy coming off the bench, 35, 40 minutes, and with a historical PPM, is about one. So you're looking at someone who may score about 40, I think at 246k, I don't view him as a slam dunk cheapie, but probably someone who's going to be a bit of a slow burn, but probably will still make some money. And I think the risk is low. You know, he's almost bottom dollar at 246k. So for me, I don't see much risk with Raystone. So that's probably why you're seeing him in so many teams. Yes, not ideal that he's probably going to be coming off the bench, but don't think it's a massive issue. And I don't think he's a trap either. I think he'll be one of those slow burn type cheapies. We've got Jack uh, Gazewski, I think that's how you pronounce it. I've got him on the list here. It's only kind of dependent on if he gets one of those second or forward spots for the Cowboys that Le Lua has vacated. But, you know, some predicted lineups do have Cohen Hess playing that edge spot. And so I think if Gazewski's on the bench, probably not going to be an option, I think, for us as a 246k cheapy, only if he gets a starting job. Josh Schuster is close to a must have, in my opinion. Probably is going to be the starting 5 uh, 8 for Manly. 241k you're getting him for almost bottom dollar this is a guy who's averaged over 60 um, in his debut season i don't think you need to overthink this one i think whether you put him in your second row forward or your 5-8 really comes down to your team makeup you know i know know a few people are looking at stacking their 5-8s with like dewey and matt burton so then just put schuster in your second row forward if you're not doing that just put schuster in your 5-8 i don't think it matters too much about which one you put him in i think you just need to have him in your team in my opinion A few bottom dollar cheapies to round out this, Uh, Brendan Piakura, I expect him to not be in the starting team for the Broncos, maybe not even in the 17. The reason I mentioned him is that he was in some preseason training playing in uh, Kurt Capel's spot because I think Capel was um, vacant from training, so Piakura was playing in the um, starting edge spot in his uh, replacement. So I think probably what that shows is that he may be the next man up if there is an injury in the second row forward. Don't expect him to be starting in round one, so probably not going to be a valid cheapie for us. But maybe just someone to keep in the back of your mind if there is an injury to one of the starting back rolls for the Broncos. Piyakura may be the next man up. Now, Sean Bloor, um, I expect him to actually get a starting edge spot for the Tigers. And if so, I think you almost have to have him again. Bottom dollar would be a starting second row forward. Um, unfortunately, injuries have hampered him over the past couple of seasons, but I can see him being a great option for Supercoach as well. I do think he's going to get the start, so I do think he's going to be a good option as well. Now the final one, Jack howth or Trey Mooney. So uh, Murray would ask, do I think Jack Howarth will get some game time this season? I think he'll get some game time. You know, the Storm are paying him a lot of money. But again, it comes down to a question of, is he actually going to get a spot in their team? I'm not too sure. Remus Smith is probably going to have the center spot. Um, obviously, Olin will have the other center spot. Jack Houth can play in the centers, but he can also play on the, in the edge. But I think the edge is going to be Tarek Sims and then one of Katoa or Eisenhuth. I don't know how certain we are that Houth is going to get into the 17. Personally, I, I think if you've got him in your team, I think just be prepared that you may need to upgrade him to another cheapie because I don't know how certain we are that he'll get the game time, but he is secondary or forward center wing, which is obviously handy. And Trey Mooney, I've heard... He may get a spot in the Raiders 17, so he may be coming off their bench, because obviously the Raiders have got quite good forward depth, um, but personally, not too sure on him. Again, one to keep an eye out for. Could get a bench spot on the second row forward. If he does, I'd still prefer to go with um, you know, Sean Bloor if he starts, and also maybe um, with Ray Stone, but someone just to keep in the back of our mind as well is Trey Mooney. So some final questions i think on some general secondary forward strategy so outsider underscore dr says what's your priority and why a double gun 5-8 or one to two gun secondary forwards currently looking at elliot wilton as schuster as a second as a starting secondary forward and going with burton and dewey at 5-8 i do really like having burton and dewey at 5-8 i think starting with schuster is a bit of a risk and and at wilton as well in my opinion so personally if I was looking to go a bit cheaper in my secondary forward to enable you to have, um, you know, the gun 5.8 duo, I'd probably go with Elliot, Garner, and then maybe someone like a Jermaine Hopgood. I think that you can maybe just about get away with it as you're starting secondary forward, but I do still think there is some risk to that as well. So I think personally, what I'd be looking to do, like, I would prefer to have double gun 5.8 and compromise on the gun secondary forward, in my opinion, but I don't want to just go super, super cheap. Like, I think I'd have Elliot... Um, maybe another guy like a butcher and then maybe someone like a garner if you can do that and manage the double gun 5-8 I do prefer that but yes I do prefer going double gun 5-8 to the second row forward. FM171711 says is this year to go one big boy than cheapies? I kind of agree to this to an extent and by big boy he's probably talking about someone like Fafita or an Angus um, and then maybe having like a garner, a katoa, um, you know maybe Someone, someone in that kind of a mold. Again, I think that strategy is also good. It probably means you're going to have to compromise though on the two gun 5.8s. Um, and Enerol SC Addicts has a similar question. Do you think the way is picking mid rangers and cheapies in second row forward? If mid rangers means Adam Elliott, Nat Butcher, Garner, I think that's okay. If it's mid rangers, like my starting second row forward is Adam Elliott, Garner, um, you know, Hopgood. I do think that's probably taking too much money out of the second row forward, and I'd probably want to bump up Elliot to maybe a gun second row forward. But all in all, I think there are some good mid-range options like Adam Elliot, Nat Butcher to consider as maybe your best second row forward. Knowing myself, though, I think eventually my round one team will have one gun second row forward. Someone like an Angus, someone like a Fafita, just to have a bit more balance to the team, because I do think that they're going to have the upside that, like, while I think Adam Elliot's really good, I don't think he's going to get you those up, massive upside scores that someone like Fafita or Angus or Cam Murray can. So I think it's still worth paying up for one of one of those second rewards. But I think if you've got one of them, I think the rest of your second reward can be a bit cheaper. Where maybe your second second reward is like a Nia and a Garner for example, I think that kind of a structure can work as well. I did want to include some general second row forward strategy as well in the video. Well, that's it guys. That is a full breakdown of the second row forward position. Hopefully you all enjoy that. I know the video may be a little bit longer than some of the other ones, but hopefully you guys find that this was stacked with lots of content, useful value for you guys as well. So if you did, really do appreciate a thumbs up. Do please consider subscribing as well to help me get to that 2000 mark by round one and see you all in the next video.